0: Welcome to The Sound Project. I'm Gavin. I'm Ryan. And today we're going to be walking everybody through what our process is when we get a new project.
1: There's so much that goes into a new project and and we uh, uh, just kind of... There's so many details that sometimes people think that it's an easier process than it actually is. Yeah. We try to make it as seamless as possible and, and, and very uh, easy for the client to, to get through. But um, just want to kind of set the expectation of what, what does a project look like for like a new recording studio design?
0: Yeah. And so, and there's a couple of ways that like new projects will come into, so... Um, The most common is probably through our website, Um, so if someone wants to start a project with us, they can go onto our website and there's a portal for them to fill out a form there giving us some brief information. Um, and we can take it from there, but then we also, sometimes people just email us, um, and we take it from there <laughs> and
1: That or, or direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, I've, I've gotten, um, you know, lots of different ways people contact us. All of them's great. You know, it's, 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 uh, the main thing is just to get the conversation started.
0: Absolutely. And the way that we usually start that is usually I'm the one that'll take the first call, mm-hmm. um, just to figure out what the scope of the project is going to look like to see um, mainly just what they're hoping to accomplish and then from there also making sure that we're a good fit for the client as well um, because we always want to add value to all of our projects so we're really able to determine that through that first call
1: yeah we're, we're kind of the first people to tell you whether or not uh, we think that that we're adding value to that project right. and, and the right fit um, you know and, it, and if we're not uh, we like to guide you towards uh, what is the right fit you know so we, we know other other ways to, to get you in place but hopefully and we're usually really flexible with this. Like we figure out a way that we can work together.
0: Absolutely. And then once we have that initial call, then we create a proposal and we send that over to the client. Um, mm-hmm. and then once that initial proposal signed, then we'll assign an acoustical consultant to it. Yeah. And
1: the thing about our proposals that's really important to know is that, um, we usually like to work on just like a, a flat rate fee. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like surprises and neither do clients, you know, so at the end of a, a project, Yeah. Some projects take maybe uh, more time than others. Um, But what I don't want to do is is, uh, sacrifice quality just because we're trying to hurry through something. And so uh, I don't want surprises for a client to get to the end of the job and say, hey, this took 40 more hours than we thought. Here's a bill for that you know, let's just get the project right, you know, and and, uh, obviously if the scope changes or we're adding rooms and things like that, we can relook at the proposal. But um, for the most part, just just making sure we take care of business and and make sure that the the, um, project uh, is is the best it possibly can be. Mm -hmm. And so that flat rate fee covers everything. It would be the design, time, um, if there's travel involved, if we're going on site. Um, That way there's just uh, no surprises and you know what you're getting into.
0: Yep. And with that then it also helps everyone that's involved in the project because by working on the flat rate fee then we're a resource for everyone that's involved so
1: absolutely i could we're um Obviously, the, the client is our, our first uh, um, you know intake, and that's the first person we're dealing with. But then at the same time, we're, we're just going to be architects and potentially st- structural engineers and interior designers, and and uh, uh, there's just so many people that are going to be part of the project, and we're a resource for all of those. And what I don't like either, if uh, you know, some people will charge hourly mm-hmm. um, and to account for their time, but for me, uh, building a studio is is unlike almost anything that that anyone's ever done in their life, like. As far as uh, a a client or a contractor, um, they may have never done this before. Mm. And uh, what might seem like a minor question that could be skipped over if you think you feel like you're on the clock all the time. Uh, Like, I'm not going to bother Gavin with this because, you know, it's going to cost me this uh, number of dollars per hour. Mm. Um, We don't want that. Like, every question... Even if it seems minor, could be major when it comes to uh, acoustical details in a project. Yep. And so we're an open book for that. Like just just bring your questions and, and we'll get it done.
0: Absolutely. And kind of with that being said, you kind of started listing off all the people that could be on the team. Um, So then after the initial proposal is signed, then we start with a kickoff meeting. So do you want to talk about kind of what you talk about in those?
1: Yeah. So kickoff meetings are super important to everybody get on the same page. Um, uh, Obviously, we've had the discovery call already, and we have a a good understanding of what the project is going to entail, but maybe not all the details yet. And especially if we're getting a lot of of, uh, different uh, trades involved, architect, Uh, interior designer, it could be an electrician, HVAC uh, contractor. All these people could be part of that kickoff meeting. And we're talking through details that are going to impact what they do on the project, but also uh, talking through the acoustical ramifications of that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like uh, HVAC, for example, you can't handle HVAC the same way in a studio that you would in a uh, office space. You know, it's going to be too noisy and it's going to cause issues with sound leakage. Uh, It needs to be quiet. So we go through all those details. We talk about uh, the goals that the client have, you know, wishes, wants, needs. uh, All those things are are really important. And uh, we get an understanding of you know, what kind of uh, furniture they might be using, what speakers are they, they planning to use? Are they going to go with Dolby Atmos or is it just going to be a stereo system? Like all these things come out in that kickoff call and it really mm-hmm. just lays the groundwork uh, for uh, the rest of the projects. And, and uh, a good kickoff call will always lead to a more successful project mm-hmm. as we're, we also talk about things like isolation needs and, and how important that's going to be for them uh, just to, to really all get on the same page. It's really great.
0: Yeah. And so on the isolation needs portion of that, so we have a video on our YouTube channel that actually walks through the isolation simulator. So okay. if anyone has questions on that, you can go through that in more detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the, around the same time as the kickoff meeting, um, we'll always have our clients go through the isolation simulator on our website. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that too?
1: Yeah, that's a tool that um, has been super beneficial for us because with sound isolation, it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, what is okay for one client is absolutely unacceptable for the next. You know, it's like, uh, you know, when we did the studio for Crowder, for instance, it's in the YouTube video that we have of, of him. He says, you know, isolation just wasn't a concern for him, and he said, if I'm recording and I need quiet you know, my wife can go to Starbucks, yep. you know, it's like it, he's, he's working around it in other ways. And so for some people, sound isolation is super critical. And for others, it's, it's not even a concern. Sure. Um, and so with this sound isolation simulator that we created, um, it, it allows us to uh, get inside the head of our clients a little bit and mm-hmm. say how much isolation is enough for them. And the simulator, what you do is, is you go onto the website and there is a sample called no partition. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to simulate, as if you're in the room with a live band and you want to click on that sample you also want to listen to the, these samples on some nice set of speakers or quality headphones because a laptop demo just doesn't do it justice because it's not producing the low frequencies as well as as speakers would uh, but you click on the no partition uh, file you uh, turn up your speakers as loud as they'll safely go like don't let the smoke out of them but uh, <laughs> but uh, turn them up super loud and try to simulate like you're in the room with a live band and then you leave your volume set the same and as you scroll down on that website you'll be able to see uh, different wall structures different partitions and next to each one of those is some information about it it can be the thickness of the wall the STC value the sound transmission class value of that wall and then also uh, approximate price per square foot for the materials involved to, to construct it mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't include labor costs because that can fluctuate so widely sure. uh, but material costs are, are um, uh, pretty consistent there and then next to that is a sound sample where you can click on that and if you left your volume set the same, when you click from the no partition over to this, you'll hear the relative difference of what it would seem like if you're standing outside the room that was built with those partitions. Mm-hmm. So it could be really helpful just for people to listen to that and say, it's all that all the walls are, are lettered. So it's like wall A, wall B, wall C, et cetera. Um, and clients will come back and say, man, if I could get it to, to wall G, I think I'd be fine. You know, And that doesn't mean that we're going to build the, the studio exactly like wall G. But what it does tell me is they've heard this sample, and I know the transmission loss values of how much decibels this is re- reducing at different frequencies, so I can design a, a wall system, ceiling system, floor system to match that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so without that simulator, w- there'd be a lot of guessing and also a lot of uh, expectations not being met. Sure. Uh, Because people are are expecting one thing and and, uh, getting another.
0: Mm -hmm. It's definitely a great starting point just because it really does help us figure out what is like that acceptable starting point and where do we need to adjust? Um, I know on like my initial discovery calls, I always mention, you know, just for reference that like an STC 33 is kind of what you can expect in like apartments where pro studios are really going to start at that STC 60. So it really just helps get that starting point. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So
0: then once they go through that and we have the whatever level um, of STC or sound isolation is um, required, I guess, then um, we start on our construction details.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we have construction packages that we put together for our studios. If isolation is a big concern, that is addressed in the construction phase. And uh, it's not something where uh, it's – it's not the most fun part of the project, but it's one of the most crucial because sure. if you don't get the construction details right, then you're not going to hit those expectations that they have uh, for the sound isolation uh, that they need. And so these construction details, you know, sometimes for studios, it can be 30, 40 pages long, mm-hmm. sometimes even more than that if, if it's multiple rooms. And it goes through details like... Uh, electrical details, conduit runs, uh, window and door specifications, section details for each wall, ceiling, floor type, and uh, it could get really, really detailed. And and, uh, we work with a lot of uh, contractors who maybe have never built a studio before sure. and it's one of those things where you want to eliminate guesswork mm-hmm. and kind of people call in audibles if you give a really good detailed set of plans then uh, they know how it's supposed to be done and and they if something's not clear they can ask questions yeah. and and so these uh, construction details usually happen early on in the process because that has to get nailed down first um, and, and kind of in conjunction with the construction details we're doing a layout of the facility sure. you know like uh, shaping the rooms and and seeing how they interact with each other for sight lines and and other things. Uh, But it's all like, okay, this is how it's gonna be constructed, but it's before we do any sort of interior acoustical treatment.
0: Sure. And while that's being done then on our side, then we're working on the renderings, which to see like on the outside between, like with Oscar working on those for the most part, it's really, really cool to see before or while the studio is being built, you know, what it's going to look like in the end process.
1: Yeah, uh, the renderings are a game changer for, for us. You know, being able to show people uh, what the studio is going to look like even before it's mm-hmm. built is uh, very exciting for them and for us. You yeah. know, it's, 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 uh, uh the construction details while I actually think it's exciting because I'm a complete <laughs> dork about those things I uh, uh, when we get to the rendering side that's when everybody gets on the same page and say like man this is this is going to be an amazing space and, and gives them kind of a keystone to to shoot for like when the contractor sees these renderings even though they may not be involved with the final details of the interior treatment mm-hmm. um, if they're only focusing on the, the uh, general construction um, it gets them excited too that like yeah. this is important that I do all these details right because at the end of the day yeah, I want it to look like that. You know, that's absolutely. that's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, so then at that point, the renderings would already be done. Um, construction would be completed then. At this point, point. and so mm-hmm. that's when kind of the acoustical treatment phase would come in um, come into play. Yeah. And so, do you want to talk about that process a little bit too?
1: Absolutely. So the renderings, uh, uh, it's. Part aesthetics and part uh, acoustical because mm-hmm. we we have to uh, as a, a consultant, we're, our job is to make great sounding spaces that are also inspiring and, and creative to be in, mm-hmm. uh, and so the renderings allow us to dial in the aesthetics, and that's a lot of times the clients really concerned about that part of it, yeah. uh, but in the background we're also um, making sure that it, you know it's got a good frequency response and and you don't have early reflection issues and there's no weird resonances that are happening sure. um, and so the renderings come together but then once we finalize the renderings and they say uh, the client gives a thumbs up like that's what I mm-hmm. want uh, then it will convert over into a 2d CAD plan that shows how the, that acoustical treatment is built and where it where uh, different materials are located and sure. uh, if anything's custom built from a contractor will will give those details or if there's like off the shelf products from manufacturers Mm -hmm. will show you the size the quantity and the location of all that so again there's no guesswork it's just follow these plans and, and and make that happen
0: absolutely yeah and so along that process too, that's we always like to come on site to kind of determine once construction is finished, mm-hmm. um, determine what treatment is needed where, but we're also able to achieve that really well remotely if needed. So do you want to talk about how we're able to do that a little bit too? Yeah, the,
1: testing is super important to our process and at any time that we can do that, whether it be on site or remote, we jump mm-hmm. at the opportunity because There's a lot of ways that we can predict performance with software and computer models. Sure. However, uh, spaces aren't always built, you know, the exact same way or exactly to the plans, and uh, having testing data inside the space just. Always ends up being a better result uh, yeah. because we're, we're getting real-world data of how the room is performing, uh, and we're able to uh, make adjustments to our plan to um, counterbalance some some issues that we find in that in those test results. And sure. so, on-site is is preferred, you yeah. know, because we can be there, uh, we can uh, make adjustments in real time, do some experimentation with the testing by moving mixed positions, speaker positions, running more tests, and like really dialing it in. And yeah. that process takes you know a good portion of a day uh, mm-hmm. on. Site and just kind of uh, an iterative process of going through um, all these different different options. Now we can still get some information remotely. We have a, a remote testing uh, process where we can uh, send a frequency sweep to the client, mm-hmm. and they get an omnidirectional measurement microphone, and they can place it at the mix position and run tests per our 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 uh, specifications. Send that data back to us. They just record the frequency sweep through that microphone through their speaker system, and we're able to post-process that and get frequency response, impulse responses, waterfall plots, and uh, like I said, it's not as uh, great as being there in person because sure. I mean, one thing with that is that the best measurement gear that I have is my ears. You know, like being yeah. able to actually hear the room in person is is amazing, but uh, the remote testing is is uh, something that. Is convenient. It's also a little more cost effective doing it that way because sure. there's not travel costs of us coming into town to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we still get data to work from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to talk a little bit about the process then once we have that data, how you take the acoustical testing data and the mm-hmm. modeling that we're able to do? How mm-hmm. does that then get to a treatment phase on what yeah. kind of treatment and where does that treatment need to go?
1: Sure. Yeah. So this data that we have, uh, really informs us on how the room is is performing. But if you just look at a frequency response, that doesn't tell you a whole lot except what is happening. It doesn't tell you sure. why it's happening. Sure. And so the computer modeling side of things in conjunction with, with testing is where we really are able to dial in, okay, there is this peak at 50 hertz in the room. Mm-hmm why is that a peak? Like, is it, uh, what kind of room mode is it? Um, how is it distributed in the room? And, and that will inform, like, where bass traps need to go and what type of bass traps and, and the quantity and size of them. And and, and so the, the models are super important because we can line it up. And it's, it's, it's funny, in, in uh, these rooms where you can just very quickly tell, like, oh, I know exactly what what problem is, is uh, causing this issue. Sure. And, and you know that you can be confident with your recommendations that it's going to solve that issue mm-hmm. because you have testing data to back that up. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, there, there's a lot of art and science to treating a room because uh, there's certain metrics that you're trying to hit and, and things that you want to accomplish. But um, at the end of the day, too, like you have to to factor in the, um, you know, the ambience of the room, like what the room being used for. Like sure. you could have a, a really acoustically accurate live room that's really dead and may not meet the needs of, of the client, you know. And, sure. and so that's where conversations with the client uh, come into play. Like I like to find out if they have an existing studio, what they like and dislike about that space. Mm-hmm. And so we try to keep the things they like and then eliminate the things they dislike uh and it, it's it's just a really important thing to know what they want not what we want because sure. what we want honestly doesn't matter like we want to deliver what's going to to be the best performing space for them
0: absolutely yeah and it's something too that it's so cool how much can vary like client to client basically just depending on what they are after
1: yeah. i remember one client i worked with that uh um, they did bluegrass music mm-hmm. and and they had a live room that they were planning on on uh, building. And I got really excited about it when I heard bluegrass because there's all these uh, acoustic instruments and I was like, we can build this room and it, use all sorts of diffusion and, mm-hmm. and make the room lively but controlled enough to to, to really sing and, and kind of bring out the most of these instruments. Sure. And I started talking about that on the discovery call with them and they said, no like I, we really would want a very dead room and we're going to add all the the reverb digitally and to me i was like oh no it's a it's a, like a missed opportunity like we could really make this room special yeah. and but it was special because it was what they needed absolutely you know? and so that that was some an example of um again if it were my space i would have done something different mm-hmm. um but uh ultimately that that doesn't drive a project for us it's like what what yeah. uh, what do people need and how can we deliver that
0: absolutely yeah. so then the last step once everything is installed at that at this point equipment and gear would be installed as well mm-hmm. um sometimes we come on site for final testing sure and especially i know we've been talking in previous episodes, like we have an upcoming Dolby Atmos episode. So we'll go a little bit more in depth on this, but, um, especially with Dolby Atmos having very specific requirements that have to be met. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about why that final testing is so important?
1: Yeah, the final testing, uh, there's a lot of different reasons, uh, f- to, for doing it, uh, one would be it gives us an opportunity to uh, see how the the room is performing and did we hit the mark? Like did we did we do what we wanted to? Mm-hmm. And if we didn't, it still gives us the opportunity to make some adjustments. Like there there could be things that we could do to the treatment plan and and uh, try to tweak things to make it a little bit better. Uh, honestly, one of the biggest parts of, of the on site testing is really dialing in that speaker positioning. Um, yep. We talked about that in our in our uh, second episode, yep. and, and uh, it's something. Where where getting that speaker positioning right and dialing in the listening position, I mean, that could be worth it for the trip alone, you know, because it, you could spend all day trying to position your speakers and maybe not get it quite right where we can come in with our experience and, and really dial it in and make sure that you have a, a good plan going forward. But then also just taking a look at frequency responses or if there's any problematic reflections. Like I remember one Uh, studio that we went into uh, to do some testing and on the impulse response I kept seeing this this big spike that was occurring um, around the time it would take for sound to bounce off the back wall and and come back to the microphone yeah but it was concerning to me because the back wall was treated really really well and that shouldn't be happening and uh, one thing that that client had done was uh, they, they put in a leather couch instead of a, a fabric couch like we had wanted Okay. and this leather couch actually showed up in the final testing results as a huge reflection and wow. and so that's something where they made the change and they switched out that that uh, couch into a fabric couch and it, it goes away Sure. And, and so things like that could be caught um, or the positioning of where you have rack gear in your studio like mm-hmm. if sometimes you see those really tall six seven foot racks that are directly to the right of your ear um for easy access i get it for logistics and everything like that but sure. that will show up on impulse response and testing results too and uh, also we can help in that final testing uh, with positioning subwoofers and and uh, so there's there's a lot of things and a lot of benefits of doing that i would say that trip is probably the most rare that we do uh, these days, only because uh, the initial uh, trip and then also the testing trip after construction is finished, but before acoustical treatment goes in, uh, that can sometimes be a little bit more important. But True. ideally, if we can do all three of them, you know that that would be the best results.
0: Absolutely, and just kind of like in hindsight on working on a lot of these projects and like seeing how they do come to fruition, <laughs> it's really cool how no matter the size of the project, whether it's for a high profile client or if it's someone that it's been their lifelong dream to have their own studio, it's really cool how it's just, it's the same process for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes they just have different goals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love every project we work on because they're all different, and everyone has a little bit different needs and, and desires, and they're just different people too. Like I, yeah. I most of my clients, uh, I I just consider them friends. At the end of the project, you know, it, it's something where um, it, if I'm in town for a different project years down the road, I still get together with them, have dinner. Or, you know, we're friends on Facebook and social media, and it's just cool to see uh, how. Their business, if it ends up being like a for-profit uh, studio or mm-hmm. uh, just projects that they're doing on their own, and and yeah. being able to go and listen to uh, what what's happening, and then of course like for the higher-profile clients we get to work with, it's fun. I mean, almost every week I hear a song on the radio that was recorded in a studio that we did. You yeah. know, it's it's really fun to be a part of that, and and uh, you know, something that I, I don't take for granted.
0: Yeah, anyway. absolutely. Well, that wraps up everything that we had for this episode. Do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think. The process for us
1: is uh, so important to get right, and that's why mm-hmm. we kind of standardize. Like, it's a very um, consistent process every time we yeah. do a studio. Because when you go out of order or you get ahead of, uh, you know, put the the cart in front of the horse, sometimes um, things get missed. And sure. and with with studios, it's just such a precise science that uh, we want to make sure that we're, we're handling everything when it needs to be handled. Absolutely. And, and I think that uh, that process, while we're always, uh, you know, one of our core values is never settle. Yeah. We're always refining it. We're, we're, we're making it better because sometimes we'll have projects that say like, man, we really need to put this as part of our process. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what makes it fun. We learn on every job and, and we just try to get better every time. Absolutely. All right. So you know, that's everything for, for this week. I really appreciate you guys being part of the sound project. Uh, if you have any ideas for future episodes, feel free to uh, email info at haversickdesigns.com. And uh, look forward to future episodes with you next week. Take care.